I'm Kimberly C. Paul. Today we talk with Charlotte Matthews. She's a professor, author, and breast cancer survivor. Today we share her story. How do we become the architect of our own destiny? Throughout two decades of working with the dying, I think I've discovered the secrets to dying well in America. We must learn to build the pathways to our last chapter, to create the blueprints that reflects our individual lives and values. Knowledge is power, and if we desire a death that reflects our life, we must become the designer. Before we get started, I would love to tell everybody how we met, because it's sort of a funny story. Sure. So I was walking on um, the beach, Wrightsville Beach, and um, you had your beautiful German Shepherd dog running, and you had a coffee, I remember, and then... I forget what I said or what connected us. But. Well, I, you started you started to run. And I was like, look, you might inspire me to run. And you're like, oh, no. And I, I believe I was like, so do you live here? You're like, no, I live in Charlottesville. And I said, do they have a, don't they have a school or something up there? And you started giggling. <laughs> like, yeah. And actually, I work for the, the University of Virginia. And I was like, oh. And I was telling you, I guess I started telling you I was working for hospice, a local hospice. And you started saying, well, and I started talking a little bit about, I'm researching for this book called Death by Design. I'm launching this podcast. And you, you started talking about probably a story that I will always remember, um, probably till the day I die, which was such an an extraordinary thing. Um, And I wanted you to share today how how all of this occurred and how it all began. Um, Cause you were in your late thirties, correct? Yeah, I was 39 and um, I had, I still have, but had two children at the time, a six year old and a three year old. And um, my son had refused my right breast at five months. I mean, for nursing, and I did think that was odd, but I hadn't really gone with it. And then at back to school night for my daughter's school, I met a woman. She was sitting across from me, and um, we just made this incredible connection. And um, she basically told me, informed me that I that she felt like I had cancer, and it wasn't a scary thing. It was more like she was an emissary from the land of illness. And she was telling me that I was in that land. And I was thinking a lot about what Susan Sontag said about um, people who live with illness. You have one foot in this world, and then you have one foot in the other world at all times, particularly if it is diagnosed. My was stage three breast cancer. Um, So, I lived for probably a good many years with, well, maybe I should say, frankly, a year with one foot in the other world, very young, 40, um, realizing it could be the end. I mean, I made my will. I um, decided I'd recently been divorced. I assigned my best friend would spend one day a week with my children so they'd have a woman's presence in their lives. I really actively recognized that the passing over, there's so many metaphors for death, 
Um, but I recognized that that was a distinct possibility and, um, you know, sort of vacillated between the peace of it and then, and then the, the fear of it and the fear much more for my children really than for myself. Well, so you didn't know this woman that told you you were sick? No, no. She just looked at me and, and said, and ex- later on, after we went over to the house and had a glass of wine together, she's like, I think, I think you're sick. And so that sort of it was the impetus for me to then go to see my doctor, who's basically, you know, a good old family doctor here, actually way out in the country. I mean, he's still, you know, he just catches babies and deals with migrant workers. He's amazing. And he'll, t- he'll barter you for, still, for to pay the bill. Um, and he's like, you're fine. I'm like, I think I'm not so fine. And and because of my spirit self. And, and so he it was free mammogram month. And, you know, while I probably had cancer for four years, probably when my son was one and I had refused that breath, I probably, it was in there because it was a slow go, growing time. I mean, were you shocked? Because thinking and, and, and realizing that you have a physician or someone telling you that, yes, you're, you have, have cancer. I mean, was it a surprise or did you feel like, you know what, I know this? No, I didn't know it. And then I, I became quite fearful that that was, you know, what was I going to do with this information and what, and, and what would it mean? Um, and so I'm a poet, so I have, um, you know, quite a, quite a few poems about, about that first moment. And, um, if you have a moment, I'll read you one, which is, I would love that. So this is called the greatest show on earth. There are animals beside the tracks, but let's begin earlier. Let's have it be this morning. They've just crossed over the Susquehanna on a truffle bridge. Clack, clack of wheels waking the tigress in her birth. The elephant braces himself, splays four legs stolidly. I must have been eight when my father stopped the car and we watched the circus unload. One by one, the animals descended. The ostrich sashayed down steel ramps into the city streets. The giraffe even bent her neck to fit through the door. What happened later, I cannot say, but I knew I'd see something I could not talk about, at least not casually. When the oncologist put up the slideshow of my mammogram, and I saw how the calcifications had formed a tight cluster, saw the look on his face had grown stern. I had no questions, only the clear sense that I, once again, would never be the same. So I'm trying to liken seeing the circus on mud, which is just a freaking wild, wild thing. Right. In the middle of a major city to having, you know, you know you're going to see it, but he's going to be like, like you see a broken bone on the, that's the same way they'll bring up the mammogram. And when he points to it and says, that's where the cancer is. I knew that I would never be the same person. Do you feel like you went through a rebirth? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I feel, I feel very um, grateful to be alive and also very grateful. I hate the words you're fighting cancer you beat the battle with cancer. I hate all that because it's war technology or war terminology. And I 
if I won, then what about my friends in the chemo lab who aren't here? They're losers, huh? Right. Um, right. Don't get it. Um, don't get um, all of the hype about, you know, you can buy a pink ribbon keychain or a pink um, uh, mix master, but when it really comes down to it, people don't want to talk about it. And I would like to read one other poem that comes with that, and that, that's the last poem I read. Please. This is called, I Offer to Model for Art Classes. So I saw one of those posters up, you know, get 1050, you can be a model for an art class at the university. This is not UDA. So this is after treatment. This is after treatment with, so I had a radical mastectomy. They cut off both of my breasts all the way. And I had um, a year of chemo and, um, well, no, six months of chemo and I guess the 30 days of radiation. Did you and you lost your hair, the whole nine yards? Oh yeah! Wow! And Everything. and so this yeah. is um you you saw a flyer to be a model for an art class to be a model for an art class, and it's not at UVA. I need to say that. Um, but it's at another university where I was a visiting professor for a while, and I saw a poster, and I thought, how cool would I be, um, for them to draw all these scars and all these lines that are. And I'm actually tattooed because they tattoo you during radiation. And um, I thought, this is going to be rocking. Like, I will be, this is so interesting. And so were they like, yes, come? We, we, we want you? No, they said no. And the poem will say that. Oh, wow. Please. It's called, I Offer to Model for Art Classes. I offer to model for art classes, not for the ten fifty an hour the poster promises, and not because I have delusions of seductive lines or flawless Skin. A lot can be learned from these scars that were my breasts. Two oncologists stood for six hours under blazing surgical lights with steady hands, passing lancets, securing sutures, firming clamps. But I'm told they cannot use me as a model, told it would just be too shocking. I hang up the campus phone, glare at an ad in the day's paper, pink ribbon keychains. 1050 plus shipping. So I have a very mixed, um, mixed uh, relationship with all of the fundraising for breast cancer and all of the sexiness that abounds around it because when people really get down to it, they don't really want to talk about what's wrong. Hmm. I think you bring up a very valid point, especially because it's your experience, you know? Yeah. It's real. That's amazing to me that they would not allow you to come to be a model. They just, the, the, and this is one person at one university, and I haven't tried it since. Um, but they just said, yeah, I just think that would really be shocking. And I said, the scars are so interesting because they're vertical across the breast, and I weigh about 140 pounds, and I'm, you know, it's just it's really an interesting sight. And, you know, I, I don't know. I just think that, that photographing the body is um, should be not just beautiful bodies, but also bodies that have been through a lot. Absolutely. I, I would tend to agree with you. So what sort of advice um, would you give women right now if, if the same experience happened to you? Or, I mean, this was such a fluke that you caught this um, by by just 
a, a stranger and then a connection with a stranger. And next thing you know, you're facing a serious, serious illness, breast cancer, and you've moved all the way through it, got to the other side, and you want to educate people that beautiful bodies are bodies that go through a lot. I mean, so what kind of advice would you give us women or other women that are facing um, the diagnosis of breast cancer? Advice um, would be surround yourself with people or not with people. Do not surround yourself with anyone who's going to judge or over control. Trust yourself and your instincts. Trust your own gut feeling, you're saying. And I know you're getting a lot of medical advice out there, but you say that trust your own gut. You you have intuitive yeah, gut feeling. Yeah, and I was very lucky. I uh, had this amazing oncologist who was, he was an old cattle farmer. And he just was just, uh, he was just amazing. And um, he was used to dealing with animals. And people are animals. And I think he saw, he just dealt with me absolutely with compassion and love. And so, yeah, I guess just surround yourself with love, whatever that means to you. And allow yourself to rest and allow yourself the peace of silence and allow yourself um, uh, and I, 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 I would like to say, don't say you're fighting it. You're not fighting something. You are, and I do see, I mean, I see that cancer was a gift. I got cancer. I had cancer. It was a gift. And now I see the world in a very different light. And I am much more compassionate and much less judgmental. And so I'm not going to fight it off. And it's, it's, I'm not going to win. You know, I don't know what I'm going to die of when I die. Um, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to beat something, beating, beating up. I'm not trying to beat something. Uh, do you call yourself a survivor? No. And a lot of people don't even know I've had cancer. Wow. Or that that's part of my story. Um, no, I definitely don't call myself a survivor. Because that, to me, leaves behind those who didn't. I believe that I, I like to say I had cancer, and hopefully that's the truth. Now, I have to say, it, it rears, it sometimes, like last winter, I had a terrible neck ache and I thought you know it's back <laughs> you know um you're ne you never live I'll never live the same with stage three it was in my lymph nodes it was in enough of my lymph nodes for me to be categorized at stage three um and particularly being young like I was that ain't good <laughs> it's not do you feel like you're always looking over your shoulder, like with that ache in your neck? Do you feel like, you know, this, the, that ache, you have this, like, worry? Not always, but if something, if I don't feel well, if I have a headache, if I have something that doesn't feel right, I do 
that's my go-to place. I'm like, okay, okay, it's done. Mm. And and I have decided I'm not going to do treatment again. I will not. Really? Yeah, I will. I would never do chemo again um, unless they change it. Um, but yeah, it, it completely altered. It was not a good experience. Wow. So you already know if, if something other, another serious illness or this breast cancer comes back, you're, you're already pre-thinking like, man, I'm, I'm not going to go through this again. Right. Wow. I have made that decision. I would do radiation again easily, but I wouldn't do the chemotherapy. Now, is your family members very much aware of that? Yep. Wow. How did your family, um, how was your family during this entire journey? Well, my family consisted at the time of a three-year-old and a six-year-old. Wow. That's it. Everybody else is dead. My parents are dead. That was it. And I had just been recently divorced. So I had a three-year-old and a six-year-old. And they came to chemo with me. Really? Because I had no babysitter and no money. Yeah, I was really, not no money. I, but I was working at the community college at the time. And I felt like they should come to chemo with me. They came right. to chemo with me. But the good news, I, I, and I'm, I'm trying, I'm hoping, I'm not assuming this, but I, I did meet someone else in your life on the beach that day at Wrightsville Beach, correct? Is that your partner, husband? Yes, that is my husband. Okay. So, yeah, I didn't have, and we just got married five years. Oh, wow. Okay. So, life. But I was a single mom at that time. Now, you met your now husband after you've gone through all of this. Mm-hmm. Wow. And now yeah. you are teaching, you're a professor of creative writing at the University of Virginia. Yes. Wow. So tell me to, to you know, talking about sickness and, and you know, all that you went through and how you found it and, and the journey um, and, and being a single mom facing a serious illness. And, you know, it does seem like you're remarried. You are working um, as a professor, but also you're still creating poetry. So life is going on. So there's major good things happening in your life, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, for me, the major important thing are my kids, kids Emma and Garland. And um, they're 18 and 15, and they're both doing really well. And we have it's like we kind of formed, I think, because of the cancer also. we. I mean, I, I guess I could definitely say this publicly. Like, they don't fight. They're, they're, they went through something that transformed them, and they're like kind of an old married couple. Like, no kidding. She's the older. She's 18. She packs his lunch every day. And, um, and right now, as I'm on this call with you, she is picking him up from baseball practice, and oh, wow. she's fixing dinner, and um, they've been through a lot together. Well, I think you're my hero. I think you're a brave, brave woman, and I cannot tell you how grateful I am that our paths crossed on Wrightsville Beach, but how grateful I am that you are sharing your story 
I think it's important that we become our own advocates within this healthcare system. Um, and I so love to hear that your 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 daughter and son are so close, and I hope forever to be close, even out of a, a really scary time in their lives, possibly. Um, any last words that you would like to share? I believe that we're like spiritual beings living a physical experience, so I think something spiritual brought us together, and. I hope that your project goes really well. And, and I send you really sort of namaste energy and hope it goes really well. Well, I need all I can get for sure. But I will say this. I, I'm forever changed by your story. And I really appreciate the time in between online classes and classes at the campus and children and dinner. Um, I hope your story really encourages people to follow your gut feeling um, and, and, and also changes how we somewhat talk and, and look at breast cancer. Um, touche for you. Um, I think individuals' views and individuals' thoughts um, are their own. And I think that, you know, it's hard to voice when you're on the other side, when there's so many other voices. But I think every voice needs to be heard. And I think your story and your voice um, brings a, a different point of view of what we all are going to be faced one day in this healthcare system we live in. So I thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Kimberly. Yeah, I hope our paths cross again. Me too. Be well, my friend. Okay, me too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer.